that have stepped up and stepped up here to give us the word. And I'm so thankful for those individuals that have done that. The Lord's will, I think, will be I'm back in the saddle next week, and that's what I'm expecting. But this week, uh, you're going to hear from somebody that I have partnered with for many, many years. And as a matter of fact, I first employed your speaker today, if you can bring up the picture. I first employed the speaker in a very menial task, I think, is the picture coming up. A very menial task. And, and I, I just want you to know that I trust this person at a high level. I think the picture's going to come. So that's the first time I ever employed her. And uh, I gave her, she can do that job, and she did it pretty well. She had zero fear of the cows, zero fear. She would go between them. She would go into the manger. She had zero fear from day one. I'm not sure that's the way it is today. She's a little fearful today. So I want to just step off with great privilege for you to hear my oldest daughter, Bethany, today. Maybe that's why I like cows so much. <laughs> I don't know. I feel all this. Anyways, I told Rai Rai this morning, he was very nervous to sing up on stage um, with the kids, and I told him, I said, well, guess what? I have a secret. And I said, I have to speak, and so if you pray for me, as he's doing, as he's doing now, um, if you pray for me, I'll pray for you, and we'll both be able to do it. And so I saw him on stage, so I guess it's my turn. <laughs> Anyways, I have a, um, I'm going to pray because I feel extremely nervous, and uh, I need you all just to pretend you're little kids because I teach to little kids a lot, and so if you, you know, stand upside down in your chairs or, like, pick each other's noses, I'll, I'll see it as normal. Um, but I am going to pray, and uh, Dad has challenged me to speak. He asked me a few weeks ago, and I was like, oh, I don't know, and he said, well, think of the, pray through and see if God gives you the recipe, so... He gave us a recipe, so here we're going to go. So let's pray again. God, thank you. Uh, thank you for the humbling ability to stand in front of so many friends and family, um, so many people that I know even personally, and uh, some I don't, but thank you for them. And Lord, I do pray that you would take all this stuff, all these ingredients that you've given me, and uh, that you would make sense of them. Um, Lord, that it wouldn't be something that is... Um, confusing, but something very clear and very able to follow and apply. And Lord, may you work mightily in and among uh, the, the body even today. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. So those of you who don't know me, I am um, Ed and Cheryl's oldest daughter. Um, I am married to Mike. He is known as the drummer. <laughs> and I have four children, um, four girls, ranging from six to 12. Yes, my oldest is actually 12 now, which is like terrifying to me to think of that. Um, but in our house, we homeschool, and so we are there pretty much 24 hours a day, 27 days a week. Not quite 24 hours a day, but you know what I mean. And so we do a lot of cooking in our house. And over the years, I have bettered myself as a cook and have become stronger, but I'm learning to pass it down to four children. Some want to cook and some do not. So I have a couple recipes here for you to guess what they're making. So in this recipe, you have all-purpose flour, you have baking soda, you have cornstarch, you have salt, you have butter, brown sugar, sugar, eggs, vanilla, and 
semi-sweet chocolate chips. Yeah, chocolate chip cookies. If I left out the semi-sweet, you probably wouldn't know what it was. Uh, yes, chocolate chip cookies. And these are one of the fan favorites in our house. We actually, I adapted a recipe many years ago, and I put white chocolate and dark chocolate in the cookies, and we call them Brinley Bites because we're a biracial family. <laughs> Anyways, um, they're one of our favorites. Anyways, the next recipe uh, has warm water, yeast, honey or sugar, salt, oil, and flour or bread flour. Yep, bread. Now I'm finding in my culinary journey that bread is much more difficult than I would like to admit that it is. And I have failed several times and I've sent pictures to friends several times when they are successful, but the next time they're a flop. So we don't make much bread all the time. Uh, the next one. Uh, this one has ground beef, um, black pepper, onion, tomato paste, tomato sauce, Italian seasoning, parsley, garlic powder, red pepper flakes, Worcestershire sauce, or so somebody said Worcestershire sauce, whatever you say there, sugar, water, and some um, basil leaves. Yeah, spaghetti sauce. And I'm learning too, um, we just had this discussion in our house that tomato products are very family specific. Like, my grandmother made tomato sauce and it had lots of sugar in it. It was very sweet. And then I'm finding that some people don't put any sugar in it, so it seems odd. So it's very specific. So when I was little, we're going to go back to the recipes here, but you can put up the next slide then. When I was little, I attended church with my grandparents. Um, many of you know that my parents weren't walking always with the Lord when I was younger. And so I attended um, church oftentimes with both sets of grandparents. This is not my grandfather. This is actually my grandmother's brother. Um, but I remember going to a Baptist church with my grandmother and my grandfather. And I remember the small church. And I always thought it was kind of odd because you entered into the front of the church. And so like the pastor was here and you'd walk in. So if you were late, like everyone knew you were late because you open these giant doors and walk in while the pastor's speaking and they creaked and you know, all that good stuff. And there was always hard pews and there was hymnals and the piano and the organ and then the, the sign that had the numbers with the hymnals that you were going to sing and all those nine yards. And so I, I have very vivid memories of going to church with them. And my grandmother was my Sunday school teacher, so I remember the flannel graph, and I remember going back for kids' church. I remember leaving church when I really didn't want to leave church, but I needed corrected from church. So in, these church, in the church and in the uh, time that I was there, I attended many special events with my grandparents. And my mom was there I, I, often too, but we, we attended many potlucks. And we know that many people, or many churches even nowadays, revolve their social around food. And so many times it was around a potluck. And I'm sure if you grew up in a church, you can, can kind of remember Aunt so-and-so or Grandma so-and-so was going to bring this dish. Like it was probably pretty common that most people brought what dish they were going to bring. It was almost every single potluck they brought this dish. My grandma often brought mac and cheese. I'm not going to lie, until I was older I didn't like it because it didn't come from the box and it wasn't bright orange and it wasn't creamy but she made it every time, and it, I appreciate it much more now. So this, as a kid, I remember the tables lined with food, and it was kind of like the country fair. You know, it was like they're waiting for, like, their blue ribbon. You know, this is my best pie, and everyone was raving about it, and everything was good. But my grandparents' church had this one event that was not known for its culinary masterpiece. This is my canning pot, but I brought it as a... Sorry, that was loud. 
It was called hobo stew. Now, I don't want to be offensive if the term hobo is offensive to anyone. It's just somebody without you know, permanent residency. I did learn that that came to be in the 30s there during the Great Depression and stuff like that. But um, it was called hobo stew. And so the rule of hobo stew, and that's what my grandmother and her brother are dressed like hobos in the picture. And the rule was you were to bring any can of item that was a vegetable or soup base and they added it to a pot on a fire. It was usually outside, and they added it to a pot. So you'd have things like, this is steak and potatoes, this is corn, this is green beans. People would bring baked beans, cream and mushroom soup, potatoes, whatever else, and they would add it into this giant pot. They would cook it outside in, on a fire, kind of like the crazy-looking cauldron thing there, and they'd heat it up, and then you were expected to take the can that you brought your stuff in, I don't know if it was washed out or not, to be honest, and eat from the can, from this big pot of stew. They would just ladle it out and dump it in there. Well, I'll tell you what, I remember the first time that I went to one of these, and it was, it was dark, and I'm convinced they did it in the dark so you couldn't see what you were eating, because as a kid, I saw some of the stuff going in there. And it was like stewed tomatoes and cream of mushroom soup and beef chunks, and I was just like, I am not going to eat this. Like, this is disgusting. And they had these often. This was common event in their, in their uh, fellowship time. And sometimes the stew tasted okay. Sometimes it was okay. Sometimes you got some ingredients in there, you're like, that was not part of the original plan for this food, and it should not happen again. But the one thing that it was always lacking in this was a recipe. There was no recipe for this pot of hobo stew to be duplicated again. You, you could try to calculate and see what, what people added, and you could probably try again, but it will not be the same. It will not turn out again. And so there, there was nothing that we could go off from. And I've learned over the time of looking at recipes, people take time in trying their recipes. And there's family recipes that are like under lock and key and like you don't share them, like they're not allowed. And so people have taken time and they've created them and they've perfected them. But one thing I do know for sure is a lack of a recipe, I can't communicate what I've done adequately to someone else. I have friends that I've shared pictures with, and I'm like, hey, I made salsa today. Look what I can. And they're like, we would like the recipe. And I was like, I don't know what I did. I can't give you the recipe. I just dumped and poured and did whatever I could. And, and I can't duplicate it again. So I do know that if I don't have a recipe, I, I, I can't duplicate it. I can't hand it over to my friends and say, hey, this is what we did. This is how we did it. Let's, you know, this is how you could do it too. So in Acts 2, we find that there's a story taking place and the book of Acts um, takes place right after the, the Gospel of Luke. And in the start of the book of Acts is the ascension of Jesus. And so Jesus has spent his time on earth, and he's returning to the Father. He came back, and he revealed himself to the disciples. He walked with them, and he is going, he's returned to the Father. And his disciples are left on earth alone. And they are no longer walking with Jesus as they had through the, the three years that he was in ministry. So the book of Acts starts with Jesus' ascension, and it takes place around 30 years. It's, the whole book is a, 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 a compilation of about 30 years. So it's 33 A.D. to around 62 A.D. And it originally takes place 
in, in Jerusalem. And then eventually throughout the book, you get to Paul's missionary journeys. And then at the end of the book, you get to the end where he, Paul is in trial and it is in Rome. So in the area in which the book of Acts is taking place, Rome is the dominant power. And in that time, Rome is like the head of history or the middle of history. And it's, it's becoming big and powerful and it's, it's developing roadways and aqueducts and all these big movements in history. But we also have emperors in this time or rulers in this time that have, are going to get progressively worse in the persecution of Christians. We end the time period in the book of Acts with the, with the ruler Nero. And if you do any research about Nero, maybe you should close your book and put it away because it's, it's pretty scary. And so at this time, we have these group of people that Jesus trained up the disciples who are now seemingly, I don't know, I, I wasn't there, so I don't know personally, but I would feel almost like, what do I do now? It's kind of like when I brought my first baby home, it's like, yay, I'm home from the hospital, now what? You know, it's like this time of like, I have all this knowledge and I have all this training, but now what do I do with it? So the book of Acts starts with this stage of settings of Jesus leaving and then all this other stuff going on and it's just not a very pretty picture of what the culture was like at the time. And there's lots of research and lots of history pointing to it. I will not go all into it at the moment. So we move into, um, into chapter 2 of Acts, and we see that the group that Jesus has commissioned to spread his word are gathering together. And they're gathering together because it's Pentecost. And Pentecost is also known as the Feast of Weeks. And it's a traditional Jewish holiday that follows the seven weeks after Passover. So they're, they're used to meeting together for these festivals and these times because it was traditional. So they're meeting together, but what's different here is that they're waiting. They're just waiting. They, we, they're celebrating, yes, but they're still waiting because Jesus had told them to wait. Jesus had said, wait and I will send a helper. I really stink at waiting, like really stink at waiting. And so Jesus just says, I'll send you a helper. They don't know if it's a person. They don't know what it looks like. They don't know who it is. They're just waiting. They don't know. And so at the beginning of chapter two, they're meeting together. My version doesn't say particularly if it's in a house or where they are exactly, but they're meeting together. And all of a sudden, Jesus sends the Holy Spirit. I'm sorry, I'm not quite there yet, but I'll get there. So Jesus sends the Holy Spirit, and it comes upon them. And if you know the story, it, things like fire show up, and they start speaking languages that are not common to their practices. They start talking in ways and in, in, in languages that they've not learned. It's things that are new to them. This helper came to them, and it's a whole new world now. They start speaking, and they start talking in all these different languages. And if you look in chapter 2, I'm not going to say all the names because I will embarrass myself, but starting in chapter 9, going down to chapter even 11, they list all these nationalities that they start speaking in, and it's like these people are like flabbergasted that this group of people know how to speak their languages for the purpose of sharing Jesus is what the purpose was. But at the moment, it may not have sounded very clear. So Peter steps up and Peter says, well, hold on. Because people are starting to say, they're drunk. They're, they're drunk. They're not making any sense. They're drunk. And Peter steps up and he says, hold on. It's 9 o'clock in the morning. Like, hmm. They're not drunk. 
And so he starts making sense of what's going on, and he just lays out the gospel. If you want to read it all, it's in the end of chapter, it's in the middle of chapter 2, and he just lays it out and how God gave Jesus the authority to be the sacrifice on the cross, to be that middle, that filler that we can have access to God, and he just lays it all out there. And at the end of this section, it says that 3,000 people were added to their numbers that day. Can you imagine if we used the gifting that God gave us and 3,000 people came to know Jesus, we better have a budget for more chairs and a bigger building because we're not going to fit. But it says 3,000 people came to know a new relationship with Christ. So you have this group of people. We have the disciples who waited for a helper. The helper came. The helper, God gave them the ability to speak different languages. Peter was shared the message. The message went out, and all these people came to know Christ. And then it was kind of like, now what do we do? What do we do? We have all these people. We have these people who are a new faith. It's a total different culture than what they're used to. Now we have to do something with it. So in Acts 2.42, it's the exact next verse that says, those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day. About 3,000 in all were added. The next verse says, so the next verse says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayer. Everyone was filled with awe of the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to everyone who was in need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all, enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. <clears throat> so not to jump ahead of my whole rest of my speech here, uh, I'll try to take it slow here, but we, they added 3,000 number people to their, their belief, the new faith of Christianity in this time, and they immediately came up with a recipe. They immediately said, I'm, I'm going to project, and I'm going to take a little literary license here. I, I, maybe they had a board meeting. I don't know. Maybe they got together, and they're like, what do we do? How do we disciple these people? How do we show them how to walk like Jesus showed us how to walk? Because they had Jesus with them. They no longer have Jesus. So how do these people who were given the responsibility from God to do this, how do we do this now? And so they came up with this recipe. And so I believe as like mindset, people of the same mission, they began to formulate what was and should be true community among the body of believers. So I'm just going to tell you my whole stew right here, okay? So they created their own stew, and I gave you an acronym because that's how my brain thinks, and that's what we're going to do. We're going to create a stew. And so they, the first one is they studied the Word of God. So they studied the Word of God. In, in the beginning of Acts, it says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, and that's where it stops, the apostles' teachings. They studied the Word of God. The word devoted, to me, is a very strong word. Like, devoted is like fully involved, fully loving. The, the King James Version says it's continued steadfastly in the apostles' teaching. They were committed 
to what Jesus had taught them. Because at this time, the disciples walked under Jesus' leadership. Jesus shared his knowledge and all the teaching that he had with the disciples. And then the disciples became the apostles because the apostles are also known, it's, the apostle means sent one. So Jesus took the disciples, and in Matthew, as we're going to get to, at Matthew 28, he said, go now and make disciples. So Jesus gave them the charge to take the knowledge that he had given them and go out among the world and share it. So the apostles and disciples can be used simultaneously in, in, in this instant. So the, the apostles were the only one at this time that had walked under the leadership of Jesus. They were the only one that knew the word. It wasn't written down. And if it was, heavens, you'd have to have donkeys to carry it because it was on giant scrolls, you know. So you can't, it wasn't like pocket version. They didn't have it on phone version. They didn't have the word of God easily accessible to them. So they had to do what the apostles told them to do because the apostles are the only one that walked directly with, with Jesus. There were other people that followed Jesus, but Jesus spent time with them. He poured into them. He taught them, and then he charged them with the go forward and make disciples. And we know that when Mike spoke, he, he was reiterating to us that Jesus is the Word. In John 1, 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So they gleaned all the knowledge from him, and they were given the responsibility to pass that knowledge and truth on to other people. So they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. However, there's a little change in how we apply that. We need, to, uh, we need to devote ourselves to apostles' teaching. And yes, the Lord has given people gifting to stand here and to share the word of God and to share new ideas of what they've learned and what they've studied. But we now have the full constructed word of God in front of us. We have the Bible in front of us. It is put together. It is compiled. It is the word of God. And so now we're responsible to be teaching for, and learning ourselves. We can't depend on Edward as much as I love him. We can't. Because if he was the only one to teach the word of God in, in heavens, he couldn't do it for the last three weeks because of whatever. Or what are we going to do? Just sit here? Like that, that's not what we've been given. Our job as believers in Christ is to be in the word, is to study the word. One of my biggest fears standing up here is like, I don't want to say anything that is against what is in this book right here. I want to make sure that it's 100% truth, and I don't, want, I don't want to lead anyone astray to anywhere different than what the Word of God says. That was like one of my biggest fears standing up here, because I was like, I don't want anything that I say be wrong. Not that I'm perfect. But our job as believers in Christ and as the stew is building in our own community, in our own way of working together is we have to study the word of God. If you don't, if you question something that is set up here or something that is read, go study it. Go test and improve. Make sure you're studying it. Make sure you're asking God, is this right? Is this what I should be believing? Is this where I, where do I find this? If you don't know, ask someone who seems to be maybe a little bit further along in their walk. There are other, some of us that are weaker in our walk and some of us who are stronger, but we have a responsibility in this stew of community to be study and learners of the word of God. Uh, Joshua 118, and if my kids group were up here again, they could sing the song to you, to happy and you know it, but I'm not going to sing it. Uh, we learned this Bible verse to the tune of if you're happy and you know it. But anyways, it says, keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on 
day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. This isn't just, this isn't just saying, okay, Pastor Ed, make sure you read this. Make sure you meditate on it. Make sure you lead us in the right direction. Yes, but it's saying us too. It's talking to the people, the believers. It's talking to us who believe in Christ. We have to. It says, never let it part from your mouth. Meditate in it day and night so that we will be careful to do everything that is written. Then you will be prosperous and successful. After you do that, you'll be prosperous and successful. It doesn't say if you make millions of dollars, you'll be prosperous and successful. Doing everything is in the word of God. And please don't think... I, I, I tend to grow up when I was younger to think that, that God is a God of wrath and he'll go punish me if I don't do everything perfect. And that is far beyond the truth. And if that's a confusing thought that you're dealing with, please seek out somebody to help um, sort that out because that's not what God has for us. God wants us to live a life that is holy and pleasing because he knows it will lead to a life that is much better than a life that is not holy and pleasing to him. And there are many people that I know, my, my biggest prayer for my girls, and not to embarrass them, is that they will walk with the Lord all the days of their life so they will be saved and sanctified from some of these things that I know people have walked through. Roads that I know that are not the best choice. But that's my, one of my biggest prayers for them. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. There's no question there. <laughs> the word of God is used for teaching. It's used for telling us, hey, you're going the wrong way. Get back on the path. It's used for telling us how to stay on the path. And it's telling us how do we continue on what we, what we know and what we know to be true. And then in uh, James 1.22 it says, but don't just listen to the word of God. You must do what it says. Otherwise you're fooling yourself. So if we, if we have to listen to the word of God and we have to study the word of God, we have to do what it says. But if, how do we know what to do what it says if we don't listen and study the Word of God? It's kind of like me trying to make something without a recipe when I don't even know where to begin. I mean, there's dishes that you could say, well, you make this. I have no idea where to start with that. I have to know where to start. And so to know where to start is to study and read the Word of God. That's our first ingredient to our stew, is to study the Word of God. We need ourselves to be true studiers and learners of the word of God. Do you have some water? Excuse me, I need a drink of water. Um, the second ingredient that I have in our stew is that the early church, the new Christians, they took time to invest in one another. So they not only studied and they dedicated themselves to the apostles' teachings, they took time to invest in one another. And that's said in different ways in that portion of scripture, but the one thing that kind of caught me off guard was in Acts 2, it says, they had everything in common. I was like, how do you have everything in common with someone? Like, that just blew my mind. I was like, everything in common? So they surrounded themselves with people that have like-mindedness of one mission, because now they have the same mission to go make disciples and share the good news of Jesus. They had the same mission and the same mindset. I'm going to say this very gently, and I'm not going to say it in a harsh way, but I just want to be very truthful with you. We don't need more friends. We don't. You can find friends a lot of places. But we need people who are striving on the same mission, in the same mindset, in the same direction as us, 
to be able to grow and to learn and to glean and to be stronger together. We should have friends that don't believe. We should have acquaintances that we can share with. But our sole purpose and our sole time spent with people should not be that of those who do not have the same mission or mindset. It's just the truth. With my kids, I am very careful who they spend their time with, who they go to be with. Behavior will reflect where your time and who you are spending your time with. It just will. It's part of life. And so they spent their time and they invested in one another. Are we taking the time to invest in one another? Taking time to invest in one another is going to be one of the most sacrificing things you probably have done. And I will tell you what, I called mom this week and I said, well, I said, well, I was able to practice what I preach, just letting you know that. I had an idea of someone I was going to spend time with and we ended up spending all day together, which was fabulous. But it wasn't my... It wasn't my plan. I had this plan. I was going to do this whole list of things. And my plan almost got in really bad way of what God wanted me to do. The day ended up to be very beautiful. It was a good day. But it was something that I had to set aside and say, okay, God, if this is what you want me to do, then I'm going to do it. So spending time and investing in one another is going to take time and sacrifice. The enemy uses our own insecurities when investing in one another. As, as a a, a female and a mom who runs our house, I'm like, my house isn't clean enough, or I got laundry all over the place, or it's not big enough, my table's not this, or I don't make this good a meal, yada, 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 yada. I let so many insecurities get in that sometimes I worry more about what I can't do than what the reasons why I should do it. I mean, heavens, Jesus went to tax collectors' houses, and he went to, you know, the middle of you know, slums to, to, to be with people, to spend time with people. You know, we need to set aside those insecurities of maybe we don't know what to talk about with that person or maybe we won't have a connection with that person. We need to take time to invest in, in one another. In John 17, 11, Jesus is praying for his disciples before he leaves earth um, at his death. And it says, I will remain in the world no longer, but they, will, they are still in the world and I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. Unification of the members that Jesus discipled was so important that Jesus took time to pray for that and for that unity among his believers before he was crucified and returned to the Father. We are so much stronger together than we are alone. It's the truth. And the enemy knows that as well. The enemy knows we are so much stronger together and our forces combined. We are Captain Planet. No, just kidding. We're not Captain Planet. But he knows that it's, it's deadly to him. So why would he not want to divide us? Why would he not want things to come in between us? Small little things that maybe, oh, she said that and he said this and I was offended by this and that and that, whatever. You know, why would he not want the, to be, us to be divided so that our forces together could not be stronger to go out and make more disciples and to encourage each other in a walk that is godly and righteous? In Proverbs 27, 17, it says, Iron sharpens iron and one man sharpens another. I don't know very much about sharp tools. I do know the tool that cut my father's finger almost off was a very sharp tool. And when I went in there and I went, oh, Edward, and I just shut the garage door, it was very sharp and it did damage. And, it, and the evidence of that damage was on the garage floor. So it was a sharp tool. 
So for us to be sharpened and us to be at the best ability to cut something, to be a best ability to make the most impact, we have to spend time with each other, those of us who are growing and walking the same mission. In Hebrews 10.24 says, And let us consider how we can spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in practice of our habit of doing, but encouraging one another all the more as the day approaches. So the, the early church, the beginning of what God has for his body of believers, they studied the word of God. We got to study the word of God. They took time to invest in one another. They did everything together. They had everything in common. That just blows my mind. You know, they had everything in common. And they spent that time really knowing who each other were. And we need to do the same. So the third ingredient is they enjoyed meals and meaningful moments together. And the, um, the exact phrase says, they're sharing meals, including the Lord's Supper. So at this time, they shared meals together. They shared food together, just common food together, but they also shared communion together, the time of remembering when Jesus sacrificed himself for them. Excuse me. And they, they said they met in each other's home, they dined together, they sold their possessions, and they took care of each other. They were fully involved in each other's lives. And I just, I just find it interesting. You know, they, they, took the, they took what they owned, which at that time I'm not sure was a whole lot, and they sold it to take care of the people that they were walking life with. And I just like, it just blows my mind to think, like, if we all took care of each other, we probably wouldn't need outside sources to fulfill the needs that we are struggling with. And that's just kind of a, a neat idea, an unknown idea, but that's what they did. They took care of each other. Um, I was watching a pastor speak on this, and he said he was at a board meeting, and he said that he told his one board member to just get rid of his life insurance policy. He was going to take care of him and his wife and his children. If he passed away, he would take care of it all. We don't, we, we, we're going to just take care of each other. And the guy was like, I don't know if that's going to happen. <laughs> so it's just like, but the new thought, we don't, we are very much of a individualist mindset. I'm going to do myself. I'm going to take care of myself. People have screwed me in the past. I'm not going to depend on people. That's not what they did. They depended on each other. They took care of each other. I understand people have failed us. We're still human. You know, we do fail people, but they, at the time and place, they took care of each other. And we have to do the same with each other. Are we taking time to be together? Are we spending meals together? Are we investing in one another? I know Mike and I, many years ago, and, and some more recently than others, but many years ago, we walked through very dark paths, very dark paths, and very dark time in, in, our, in our, not in our marriage personally, but we, we lost several babies in a row and some adoption stuff, and it was a mess. And I was in a very dark place personally. But I had women in my life who showed up with meals. I have someone say, I'm sorry, all I could give you was a frozen mac and cheese, but here, this is for you, and this is what I want to give you. I had people call, I had people text, I had those women come together, and they bought me a wind, wind chime to remember my babies, and it's still hanging on my porch. It's tattered, and it's falling apart, but I refuse to move it. But if I did not have that community of women around me that I, we had learned to walk life together with, I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know what it would have looked like. It would have been very scary, much more scary than it was. And, and so if I never told those women, because many of you are still sitting here, thank you. I love you all. Um, so we have to invest in one another. 
it, 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 it's not an option. Galatians 6, 2 says, carry each other's burdens, and this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. And then in Romans 12, 15 says, rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. The one thought I thought well, I was going to speak on is uh, what not to say to somebody when they're suffering. <laughs> I heard some doozies. But, uh, but we're, so we're asked to rejoice with those who rejoice and to mourn with those who mourn. We're asked to come alongside and be that, that deeper level of empathy with people so they can feel that camaraderie and support as they walk through different times in their life. And there's been times that we've celebrated joyous occasions, marriages, births, new jobs, whatever it is, baptisms. There's, there's really good times to enjoy as well. Uh, one passage in Acts uh, 16 is further on in the book of Acts, and it's a story about um, when Paul and Silas were in prison. And Paul and Silas were in prison, and if you know the story, something very miraculous happens, and the prison doors flow open, and all the prisoners escape, not escape, but they come out of their cell, and the guard comes in, and he is so distraught. He's like, what in the world just happened? And he actually is going to go and harm himself because he thought that all the prisoners had escaped and he would get in, like, giant trouble. And then Paul and Silas, they come back in and they say, no, 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 we're here, we're here. Like, don't harm yourself. And in verse um, 33 and 34, it says, at that hour, the, at the hour of night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. Then immediately, he and all his household were baptized. The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them, and he was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole household. I was telling Mike this the other day. I was like, they were prisoners. And he took them into the house, and they had dinner with them. I'm like, I don't know. It's just like, that is just screwed up, messed up, whatever it is. But that was one of the first things they did. He took care of them. He took care of their needs. He didn't, he didn't say he sold his possessions or anything, but he took care of their needs, their wounds, their scars, whatever they needed. And then he brought them into his house, shared a meal with them, and they believed in God. You know, it's just a cool picture of what, what's happening here. So just to take a mini pause here, I, I don't want us to have any excuses. I only have two, I only have five of them. But I don't want us to have any excuses. You can't have people over and you can't spend time with them because I don't have the right ingredients or I don't know what to food, meat for them. So I have put together, this one is s'mores. So if you have a, a source of fire, you can make a s'more. You can even make it on your um, stove. And I've also included one of our favorite games, Uno Flip. It's a fun game. I don't know how I'm going to hand these out to be honest with you, but I would love five different people. I have s'mores, I have nachos, and I have a spaghetti dinner that will come with meat if you see me afterwards because we have a whole freezer full of meat that you can have. I would love for five different families to commit to having someone new over in the purpose of building a relationship with each other. And don't make it awkward. Don't be like a first date and be like, don't be awkward about it. Just coming over to spend time together to, to play Uno Flip. I'm sorry, the spaghetti dinner does not include Uno Flip. I figured that was a little bit more involved. So um, to play a card game, eat some s'mores, do something together just in the purpose of building a new relationship with someone. So uh, you can hold your hand up. I will give a, I have a s'more. Hey, I got one right here. Would you like a s'more? Got source of fire for you. I got another s'more one. Hold on, I got to go get it. Here, Mikey, would you take these? 
I got, oh, got a young couple back there in the gray and the salmon color. And then I got a nacho night. This one's heavy, so not. I got a nacho night. So this is, only has one bag of chips. So if you invite a big family over, you might need to put a few dollars in to buy them another bag of chips. But another family, the purpose of having someone over just to build a relationship with someone. Oh, looks like the Mervine family's having someone over. And I'm not going to be that, I do homeschool my children, so I'm not going to be that teacher to be like, write a report now and report back. I'm not going to be like that, but I would love to hear. I would love to hear who you've invited, who was new, who, what did you learn. You don't need to write it in a five-page paper. That's not necessary. All right, I have a spaghetti dinner. It comes with ground beef in the freezer. Who's making spaghetti? Do, 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 do. No one's making spaghetti. The halls are going to make spaghetti. Going to Loisburg. If you're a... Okay, I got two more. I'm not moving on to my last point. The Dutels. Are you want nachos or do you want spaghetti? Dutels would like spaghetti. All right, I got my last night. Who would like nacho night? My kids want nacho night. <laughs> We'll have someone over. We can have nachos. Oh, the shades. The Jason Katie shades are having nachos. All right. And, and it just, that's just to show you. Literally, I think I spent 60 bucks on all that, those items. It's just to show you that I think sometimes we make it harder than it is supposed to be. We make it harder to, to spend time with people than it really is supposed to be. We're just supposed to spend time. We're, we are supposed to be hospitable. That's what's been asked of us. Meet at a park if you don't want to. If you want to borrow the building, ask Mike. He has the calendar. He knows when it's available. All right. So in wrapping up my stew, we have, they studied the word of God. They um, took time to invest in one another. They enjoyed meals and meaningful, meaningful moments. And the last one they did is they worship and they pray together. So concluding their stew, they spend time worshiping together and they just spent time praying together. They concluded all of this. They met in homes as small groups, but they also said they met in the temple as a corporate setting. It is very important to be a part of a corporate setting as a body of believers. If you're not a part of a corporate setting, like a church or an established body like that, you don't know who are of like-mindedness and like mission. Sure, you could go to Walmart and ask the person shopping for deodorant. I would encourage it. Yes, you can. That's fine. And we should go and sp spread the word of God. But for the sole purpose of Christian community, we need to be in a bigger body of believers so we can worship together, so we can bring our needs to each other, so we can be at the altar praying with one another, so we can, so we can be a one voice worshiping God as led by our worship team. That we have to do this as concluding the end of the stew here. And 1 Timothy 4.13 says, Until I come, devote yourselves to public reading of Scripture, to exhortation, and to teaching. And this is Paul's encouragement to Timothy and Timothy's leadership um, in this uh, section of, of the book of Timothy. And then in Colossians 3.16, it says, Let the word of Christ dwell excuse me, richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in the hearts of, to God. James 5, 14 and 15, and I know we do this as a body. It says, anyone sick among you, let him call the elders of the church and let him pray for him, anointing him 
or her, please don't get stumped up in the masculine pronouns here, with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of, the faith, of faith will save one who is sick and the Lord will rise him up. If we are not meeting together as a body of believers, we are not able to do that. We're not able to walk with someone who needs a healing. We're not able to walk with someone who might need a touch from God. Colossians 4.2 says, Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. And the last verse for worshiping together says, May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another, according to Christ Jesus, that together we may have one voice glorifying God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's like one of my favorite things. We used to sit in the back, and uh, one of my favorite things sitting up here now is I get to hear all the people behind me singing. When I was in the back, I, I could see people worshiping, but when I can hear all the people singing, and one of my most favorite things is if it's a song that the kids from kids' group know, there are se- certain sections of kids here that just belt it out. And it's, it's, it's neat to see the one unified body worshiping God. It's, it's all together. We're here for one purpose for one mission. We're not here to make hobo stew that we can't duplicate and that we, can't have, we don't have the recipe for. We have the recipe for it. And so, in closing, and I, as I read this to Mike the other day, he's like, well, that was six and a half minutes. So I'm like, okay. In closing, we need to become a stew that is pleasing to God. We need to study the Word of God. That's here, that's in small groups, that's personally we need to take time to invest in others. We've got to set aside our to-do list. We've got to set aside what we think should be accomplished, and we should step out and we should text or we should call or we should just meet up with. Clear the calendar. Get something on even for October. Get it on the calendar. Take time to invest. Ask people. If somebody says, hey, will you pray for me? Sure, pray for them, but then check in with them. Say, you know, how did that go? How did that test go? How did this go? However, how, whatever they ask you to pray for, make sure you check in with them. Enjoy meals together and meaningful moments. Yeah, we're going we're gonna to do things here as a family, and we're going to do that, but it's your responsibility as families. Please, husbands, do not invite a family of 12 over without telling your wife. At least get together and coordinate so you all are on the same page. That would probably be best, just letting you know. And share meaningful moments. We want to walk with people, and we should walk with people who are celebrating, who are mourning, who are struggling. We should know that about people. And then lastly, we should worship and pray together. It's not an option. We, our, our numbers and our, not numbers, excuse me, that's not what I wanted to say. Our strength in the community mission and our growth depends on these four things. We have to take time to do this. It's in the Bible. We, all scripture is useful. So we got to apply it, guys. Here's the stew. I didn't make any hobo stew, but mom did. It's her fault if that happens. She did say we're going to do hobo stew for the meal in October. So (laughs) if we do hobo stew, it's mom's fault. So I'm going to pray for us and then uh, have a good day. God, thank you for today. Thank you for calmer nerves. Thank you for clarity of speech. And thank you for the ability to share. God, may you be honored, may you be glorified, and may our stew be a pleasing aroma to you. May it fill your heart and your nostrils with a fragrance that is above and beyond anything we could, we could do on our own. Father, thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a good day.